0: This is Rev. Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Camp Brown, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. When a person dies suddenly, such as in some tragic automobile accident, or as a result of a heart attack, People are shocked, and friends have a way of coming to the side of grief-stricken family members, offering genuine, heartfelt sympathy. Likewise, when a person is found to have some dreaded disease, there can be expected an outpouring of loving concern for that person and for the family of that loved one. Friends, neighbors, and church members seek ways in which to show that they care. There's a different situation, however, when a person becomes sick and the illness lingers for months and even years. The initial expressions of love begin to fade as the years go by, not because people no longer care, but because they somehow become accustomed to the fact of the lingering illness. Perhaps this is not the way it should be, but many have found this to be the way it is. In the fifth chapter of John's gospel, we have the story of just such a situation. Here was a man who had been sick for some 38 years. We can imagine that when this man first got sick, friends and neighbors all came in to see him, bringing flowers, food, and gifts for him. If he had lived for a few months and then died, No doubt many would have attended his funeral and would have offered their sincere sympathy to his family members who remained. But this was not the case with this man. He did not die, but simply remained ill day after day, month after month, and year after year. As the long years stretched out, some of his friends probably moved away, others died, Some probably even forgot that he was sick, or else they knew it but did little to show him that they cared anymore. John does not record whether this man had a wife and a family or not. If he did, the time probably came when they too had either died or moved away. Whatever the case, after 38 years of his sickness, this man was now all alone there's an interesting story uh, that in the city of Jerusalem, down by the sheep market, there was a pool that some thought had strange power of healing. The people believed in that day that from time to time, an angel would come and stir the waters. The first sick person who could get into the water after the angel did this would be healed. Even though this man was very sick, somehow he managed to get down to that pool where he waited, along with many other sick people, hoping to be the first one to get into the water after the angel's visit. It was a long wait for him, though, because each time the angel came, somebody else would beat him to the water. He had no person to help him get in, so there he remained year after long year. One day Jesus came by that way and he saw this man. There were several things which Jesus said to him, all of which seemed to have special significance. I'd like for us to look this morning at these statements and see if God may be speaking the same words to us as he spoke to that man that day through the lips of his son Jesus whom we also know as the great physician. In verse 8, Jesus asks this question of the man, Wilt thou be made whole? Jesus asked him, Do you really want to get well? Now, what kind of question was this? Wouldn't it be safe for us to assume that the man wanted to get well? After all, he'd been sick for 38 years no telling how long he had been here at the pool of Bethesda, just waiting, hoping, trying, and surely even praying that he could be the first to step in the water after the visit of the angel. Why would Jesus ask him this question, which seems somewhat foolish? Do you really want to get well? If the man had been inclined to be a smart aleck, He could have answered with words sort of like these, well, what do you think I'm doing here, Jesus, if I don't want to get well? The question which Jesus asked this man was not an idle question, though. In fact, it is a good question to ask any sick person. You know, some people enjoy poor health. Sickness attracts attention. There are people who really want to be sick although these would probably be the last to be able to admit that fact. One woman was informed by her doctor that she had an incurable cancer. Later, it was discovered that she did not have cancer at all. But the woman refused to leave the hospital. She had conditioned herself to the idea of having a terminal illness, and she was more upset by being told that she was well than she was upset when she thought she was dying. In fact, the woman made this statement, I cannot bear the thought of facing life again. One of our professors of pastoral care in the seminary where I attended, used to say that when a husband or a wife has a lengthy hospital stay, recovers and then goes home, you can look for that other mate to be in the hospital also before too long. Now, surely it does not always happen that way, but it is frequent enough for a pattern to be established in some cases. When all the attention has been showered upon one person for so long, there may well be a hidden desire within another family member to get that same kind of attention also. Being in the hospital, you know, is a pretty good way of getting it. The fact is that some people simply do not want to be well. And Jesus obviously understood this, or else he would not have asked the question, do you want to be made whole? Now, folks, please understand, I am not saying this morning that when a person has a neurotic sickness that he or she is not really sick. Sickness of the mind or emotions, or as some people say, the nerves, can really be one of the worst kinds of sickness there is. Yes, it is very real. Jesus believed this man was really sick. He did not say to him, Hey, fella, you're not sick. Just quit pretending. Nor did Jesus say to this man, Ah, it's all in your mind. No, Jesus took it very seriously. The question which Jesus asked this man implied that he could and he would cure this man. To have asked this man if he wanted to get well when there was no hope for him would have been sheer cruelty. One minister said that it would be like saying to a hungry man at your door, would you like a nice prime rib with potatoes, tossed salad, and all the trimmings, and then slamming the door in his face? It would be like saying to a drowning man in a pool, do you want me to help you? And then turning and walking away. It'd be like meeting a man on a dry desert, a man who's about to die of thirst and saying to him, would you like this glass of nice cool water? And then pouring it out on the ground in front of him. Jesus was offering to heal this man, but first he had to know if the man really wanted to be healed. The man at the pool wanted to be healed, but the conditions were never just right for him. Haven't you known people who were wasting their lives, just waiting for the right conditions? There are those who need, who know they need to surrender their lives to Jesus, make amends with a neighbor or a family member, become active and begin working in a church they just keep putting it off until tomorrow, hoping it'll get easier, but it never does. Someone, the poet has said in these words, he was going to be all that a mortal should be tomorrow. No one would be braver or kinder than he tomorrow. A friend who was troubled and weary, he knew, who'd be glad for a lift and needed it too on him he would call and see what he could do tomorrow. The world would have known him had he ever seen tomorrow. But the fact is, he died and faded from view, and all that he left when living was through was a mountain of things he intended to do tomorrow. Well, let's move on. In verse 8, Jesus spoke another word to this man, rise. Now, when Jesus commanded this man to rise, that must have surely seemed like a strange thing to say. Why, that was the very one thing he could not do. He was most likely paralyzed, as indicated by his inability to get into the water when he wanted to. Here is a point where many good Christian people have differences of opinion now personally, I believe that all healing is divine healing. There is no healing which is done except God does it. But I do have some problems with those who say that God is necessarily going to heal some person when I say to, or on my time schedule, or just the way I want God to do it. Oh no, God is sovereign. We are his creatures. His ways are past finding out. Yes, God does have the power to heal instantaneously, and sometimes he does just that, but sometimes he does not. The main point we need to learn from this story, I think, is that this man found Christ and his strength to be sufficient for his needs Jesus so often challenges us to do what seems to be the impossible. But our Lord's promise is that we can do all things through him. He strengthens us. That's Philippians 4.13. A third thing Jesus said to this crippled man, verse 8 still, take up thy bed, Dr. Charles Allen, a great Methodist preacher, has a good explanation as to why Jesus told this man to take up his bed. He was to do everything possible to eliminate the temptation to fall back into his old way. This man had depended on his bed for so many years that he might have been tempted to turn around, see how comfortable it was, and quit trying to walk as Jesus had told him to do anything we can do to eliminate that temptation to turn back will help us to move forward people in recovery from addiction know very well the phrase you need to change your playground and your playmates some people ask me why do churches and preachers give an invitation at the close of a service to follow christ isn't it enough just to have a feeling down inside but not to make any public profession of your faith? All of you who are here at Ocean Lakes, you've heard me say many times, we do not have the traditional altar call here at Ocean Lakes because we have no church membership role to put your name on. You can't join this church as such. But that does not mean that your decision for Christ needs to be kept within yourself only. When you leave this place today, there should be some expression of what has happened here between you and God. It may be going back to your home church, making a public profession of your faith there, or maybe in some other way, such as an open act of rededication of your life to Jesus. The benefit of making a public profession of your faith is like taking up your bed, throwing away that temptation to return to your old life, Yes, you may make a spiritual decision that only you and God know about. But when the going gets tough out there next week, you can give in and nobody will ever know about your decision. That is nobody but God. When you stand in the strength of Christ, then you don't need to think about falling or turning back. He gives you the strength. Now let's look at another word Jesus told this man in verse 8 still. Just one word, walk. After the paralyzed man stood, folded up his bed, Jesus told him to walk, start moving, get going, begin some activity. When we have been given a new beginning by the great physician, then he commands us today to move forward also. When he gives you the strength to rise above your problems, you refuse to look back. So you walk, you begin moving, growing. This is where church fellowship is so important. You know, Jesus never called secret disciples. We grow in our faith only when we become active in a group of like-minded believers who encourage us and help us to move on to higher ground in Christ. Don't wait till you find a perfect church out there somewhere to join. It does not exist. You've heard the phrase, God designed the church to be a hospital for sinners, not a club for saints. And as someone has said, if, if you do find a perfect church, then don't you join it. It won't be perfect anymore. <clears throat> now, there's one final word of postscript to this wonderful story from the scripture. In verse 14 of that same chapter, we read that afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple. I don't know if it was the very next Sabbath or not, but this man who was healed obviously did not forget the source of his healing. He was right there. and I would like to believe he was giving thanks for what Jesus had done for him. And then in verse 15, the next verse, We read that he departed and went about telling others what Jesus had done for him. This is the normal, natural result when something wonderful happens in a life. You just can't keep it in. We have to tell everybody about it. This man went about telling everybody that it was Jesus who made him whole. So, What does this story have to say to us, to you and me personally this morning? Is there some way in which you feel that you need the healing touch of the great physician? Is he calling on you this morning to rise up in his strength from what has been holding you back for so long? To cast aside the hindrances which might tempt you to go back to your old way? And to walk in the path he has set out for you to walk George MacDonald has given us a beautiful poem called Obedience. He said in these words, I said, let me walk in the fields. He said, no, walk in the town. I said, there are no flowers there. He said, no flowers, but a crown. I said, but the skies are black. There's nothing but noise and din. And he wept as he sent me back. There's more, he said there is sin. I said, but the air is thick, and fogs are veiling the sun. He answered, yet souls are sick, and souls in the dark undone. I said, I shall miss the light, and friends will miss me, they say. He answered, choose tonight if I am to miss you or they. I pleaded for time to be given. He said, Is it hard to decide? It will not seem hard in heaven to have followed the steps of your guide. I cast one look at the fields, then set my face to the town. He said, My child, do you yield? Will you leave the flowers for the crown? Then into his hand went mine, and into my heart came he. Now I walk in a light divine, the path I had feared to see. Heavenly Father, we all have those fears, just like this man had with the great physician. We've all been sick for a long time, not necessarily physically, but spiritually. We're not what we should have been. But oh God, we know that Jesus is the one who can heal and restore and set us right once again. So we pray this morning, Lord, that we will let Jesus be the great physician to each of us, and that as we go from here, we might go in his strength, knowing that he will guide us step by step, day by day. Thank you, Lord,